Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. Uh, I want to take a second because we are starting a brand new series, and this series is really, um, um, it, it has its, its, its origin a little bit in one of my favorite comedians. So I want to take a second and let you uh, watch this little bit from Brian Reagan, who's one of my favorite comedians. Check this out. I'm actually kind of quiet off stage. A lot of people don't realize that. I was at a dinner party recently. A bunch of people that I don't know. One guy talking plenty for everybody. Me, myself, right? And then I, and then myself, right? Me, me. I couldn't tell this one about I, because I was talking about myself, and then me, me. Beware the me monster. So I tried to jump in with a little story. I don't want to just sit there the whole night. Right when I'm done with my story, this guy goes, that ain't nothing. Didn't mean to waste everybody's time. Telling my nothing story. Here, let Marco Polo speak. He's back with tales of adventure. My story ain't nothing. Maybe it wasn't, because I made the mistake of trying to tell a story about having only two wisdom teeth pulled, and I learned a lesson. Don't ever try to tell a two wisdom tooth story, because you ain't going nowhere. Before wisdom teeth people are going to parachute in and cut you off at the pass. Halt! Halt with your two wisdom tooth tail! You will never complete one, trust me. I'm trying to tell my story. You know, I had some wisdom teeth pulled. I had, um, I had two, but I had four pulled. Oh, okay. No, five. No, nine. I had nine wisdom teeth pulled. All of mine were impacted. They were all coming upside down. The roots were wrapped around my tongue, coming out my nose. They were tusks. I was a warthog. No anesthesia. They pulled them out with pliers. I was eating corn in the cob that afternoon. Pin the blue ribbon upon his chest. That knocks the socks off of my wisdom tooth tail. Why do people need to top other people? I've never understood it, and I see it all the time. Obviously, people get something out of it. At best, people wait for your lips to stop. Yeah, as soon as... Okay, yeah, you, me! You, me! You see the difference? You see, you see that? Now I do. What is it about the human condition people get something out of that? That's why I have a social fantasy. I wish I was one of the 12 astronauts who have been on our moon. They must love knowing they can be anybody's story whenever they want. They can sit back quietly at a dinner party while some other person, some me monster, is doing his thing and let him go. Let him run with the line while you be quiet. Oh, really? 
Let him have his moment. Yeah, I'm a big traveler. I have my business. I got my own global enterprise. I got to check on. You know, I'm driving in the autobahn because I keep a fleet of sports cars over in Zurich. You know, I get a Swiss account that I want to check on. Mount Kilimanjaro, but you might have to cancel that. You know, runways in Aspen are a lot shorter the first time you go in there. You know, you know, you know that Pacific Rim company. We're going to try to take that over. And blah, 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 global enterprise. I walked on the moon. <laughs> well, you have the floor, Moonwalker. <laughs> you know, you mentioned driving on the Autobahn. That reminded me. Once I was driving in the Sea of Tranquility. <laughs> in my Lunar Rover. And I, too, was worried about our speed till I remembered, why we're the only ones on the moon. <laughs> so true, right? So, I mean, we've all, we've all been there. Maybe you've done it. If you're honest, if you're honest enough, most of us have a struggle being honest enough to talk about maybe we were the me, me, me person um, in that process, but we definitely have seen it. You know, we are living in a culture that has become, come on now, extremely self-absorbed, right? Um, just the fact that we have something that is commonly done that's called a selfie, just that within itself. Come on. Like, let's, let's realize what that is. So we're going to tackle a topic for the next few weeks that every one of us is dealing with. Every single one of us is dealing with this particular topic with someone else who is like this or within us as well. And it's, it's the thing inside of us that always wants a little more that that wants the focus or the attention that that wants our thoughts and ideas to be expressed because there's a part of us that thinks we have more sense than other people come on now right so we use terms like common sense right i want a little more out of life i want a little more money for my job i, I want a little more out of this relationship what about me right come on now that's that's the me monster that all of us deal with and often if we're really honest, we are consistently asking these type of questions. Ready? What's in it for me? What's, what, what's in this relationship for me? What's in this for me in this job? What's in this for me at this church? What's in this for me listening to this particular message? What's in this for me in this friendship or this small group? And there's this tension in each of us, right? Um, because... There's a fear at the same time. Like part of us feels this tension that we need to stick up for ourselves. Because if I don't stick up for myself, who will, right? And yet we don't want to be completely self-absorbed. And there, so there's this, there's this struggle. There's this tension that, that, you know, you've been walked on in life. You, you, you've been walked on in relationships or in your family, maybe. Um, I, and I've got to look out for myself. I got to take care of myself or maybe bad work relationships. I mean, this is a real dilemma, something for us to, consider and the bible talks very strongly about the concept of selfishness right i don't want to be self-centered but who else is going to look out for me you know that's that's a, that's a that's a tension and if you've ever been there um or had any thought anywhere close to that well let me say this to you welcome to the me monster series right uh we're gonna we're gonna dive into this over the next four weeks and and i'll be honest with you i think there's a part of each one of us that's going to push back some right because we're talking about something that's inside of us. It's kind of part of our, our, our sinful nature. 
And this is true of all of us. Uh, some of us talk about ourselves or our families. Some talk about how bad life is. We have prayer requests that are constantly about us and what we need or what we lack. Victim mentality is a version of me monster. Me, 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 pay attention. I need some attention, right? All this. Me and my sadness, me and my illness, me and my fill in the blank. It can show up so many different Ways. So let's begin to tackle this subject with this idea. Let me tell you what I think is possibly the worst advice ever given. Worst advice ever given. But here's the funny thing. You probably have given the advice to somebody. Or some semblance of it. Or you've had this advice given to you. Or you've heard somebody give this advice. Why? Because this advice is given in our culture every single What is the worst advice that that happens on a regular basis within our culture? I think it's this. You need to find yourself. You need to find yourself. Some of us have been on that journey. Come on, like some of us backpacked across Europe when you got out of high school because you're trying to find yourself, right? Or gone through multiple relationships because you're trying to find yourself. You know, I guess uh, that new failed relationship is because we just haven't found ourselves. Um... This kind of starts, I think, for many of us when we move out of the house. Now, all of a sudden, the security that I didn't realize was there that my home provided, even if your home was dysfunctional, there's still a certain amount of security that your parents provide and things do. I mean, one of the things I think hits us when we move out of the house is I I didn't realize you had to buy toilet paper. Right? I mean, come on. It's the silly stuff that when we get out of our parents' house, we go, what the heck? This is what toilet paper costs. Right? But but the bigger picture is when we get out of that scenario, now we're going through. And so, so many of our 20-somethings, you know, late teenagers, 20-somethings, on into 30s, and I would say it continues for many of us into our 40s and longer, are still trying to find ourselves. Right? The problem with that of advice is the it's the assumption under that is that more of me equals better more of me equals better if i could just you know if i could increase if i could do things better if i could get smarter if i could get better business practice if i i i i i that that's that me monster that if i just focus on myself and figure out what i want and what i like The more self-focused I am, the more I pay attention to me, the better off that I'm going to be. There's a problem with that. There's a problem with that, and there's several scriptures we'll look at today, but let me begin with John 3 and 30. Here's, Here's the comment. He, it's talking about Jesus, must become greater, and I must become less. So while the world would say, you need to find yourself, you need more of you, there's a radically different biblical reality. Radically different biblical reality that's harder than we push back on, and it's this. Less of you means more. Less of you means more. When I, when I look at what Jesus says, less of me means more. If you want the secret to fulfillment in your life, um, if you can take the spotlight off of you and how great your life is or how sad your life is or how bad things or how you feel, the less of you means more. More of you will never lead to where you think it will. Right? Every time I have tried, and I don't know about you, but this is true in my life. Every time I've tried to put more of me into my job, it was about me. 
more of my rights into my relationships, uh, more of me into my friendships. Guess what happens to all of them? They all get worse. They all get worse. And every time I take a step back and I focus less on myself, less obsessed with me and what I want or need, every time things get better. Look at look at this in uh, Mark 8 and 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, this is Jesus talking, right? So he calls a whole group of people together and this is what he says to them. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Take up the cross means die. That's what that means. So let me rephrase it. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, die to themselves and follow me. Right? That it's no longer about me, it's about Jesus. It's about whatever he wants in that whole process. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Jesus taught this over and over. But I want to look at one story today that Jesus told. And this story shows what happens when you go and try to find yourself. When you say, enough with all of you, I'm going to do me, right? I'm, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to go and find myself. Now, this is a parable, probably one of the most famous parables in the Bible. If you have any kind of church background, really good chance that you have heard this parable. But if you have it, let me just tell you, parables, they're stories. They're not real. It's not historical. So we're going to talk about a father and a son uh, but this is not a real father or a real historical person. This is a story. And Jesus would tell stories to give ideas of what God was like or what the kingdom of God is like or what our relationship with him is like. And that's exactly what this is. So in Luke chapter 15, it's interesting because it starts in the chapter and there's two stories before this story. The, the first story is about a lost sheep. So a sheep gets lost and they go and the sheep is found. And then it's about a lost coin, and it's a widow. So kind of, I guess you can put it in today's term, she lost her welfare check, and it was all she had, so she's going to starve. But then she finds it. But it's interesting because the point is not that things get lost, but that people get lost. That's, that's, what, that's what Jesus is trying to teach him here. So, um, so, so I want you to grasp that as we get into the story, because maybe some of you feel a little lost. Maybe if you're honest... I don't really know what my purpose is. I really don't understand um, why I'm here or what God wants from me. And, 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 and let me just say this to you. If that's you, welcome to the club. The majority of people, according to the research, who go to church find themselves in that place. That's why we want to kind of tackle this today. So Luke 15 and 11, it says this, to illustrate the point further. Remember the two stories had already been told? And then this is where he's going to say, you know what, I just want you to understand, it's not about sheep, it's not about coins, it's actually about people. And here's what happens. When people go find themselves, or go off and do it their own way, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of uh, your estate now before you die. Now I want you to put that in perspective as a dad. Um... I was thinking about that. I was imagining my 19-year-old son coming to me and saying, give me my inheritance now. I said, Dad, I'm in, I'm in the will, right? Yeah, 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 you're in the will. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Well, I want it right now. 
first of all, I have a really hard time not reacting. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just rude. Like, it's just, just, just rude. But then I thought, you know, is that not the heart of many of us? I want right now what I want. Right? We can see the heart of the sun in us, in the me monster. I want what I want, and I want it now, and I want it the way I want it. Story goes on this way. So his father agreed. Wait, what? Process that. You're the, I'm the dad. Father agreed and divided his wealth between his sons. This is a teaching moment. This is not a moment to give in as a parent, right? Like, this is a moment where you go, look, homeboy, let's have a little conversation about 19 years old and I'm going to give you all this money, you know, cause this was probably hundreds of thousands, maybe a million dollars type of scenario. This was big money. This is, this was a big, big deal. And, 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 and so you kind of can question what kind of a father would do that until you realize, remember, Jesus is telling a story, a parable, and he's trying to help us understand our heavenly father and his relationship with us. When you realize that Jesus is teaching us about God, you realize, listen to me, this is exactly what God has done for us. What do I mean by that? Well, God gave us life, right? He gives us the breath that we breathe. He, he designed this world with really cool stuff, mountains and beaches and all kinds of great things for us to enjoy. And he gives us this life. And then he goes, now, you can do whatever you want to do with it. So that, that is the exact same relationship of the father and the son of our heavenly father to us. Right? He's given us life that we've not earned. Right? We've not done anything to earn it. And he's given us the freedom to do whatever we choose with it. Let's, let's keep going in the story. A few days later, the younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a, a different land. Deuces, I am out of here. Right? Uh, I've had enough. And many of us remember when we were getting out of the house, it was like peace. I don't want nothing to do. I'm out. Like there was this crazy freedom weird thing side of us. Maybe a little rebellion mixed in there. Come on, somebody. Many of us ran from what we thought was stifling because our parents didn't know what they're talking about and they're right and all this stuff. And we moved to freedom. Come on, somebody. Right? Freedom. And for many of us, that is the relationship we have with authority in our lives still to this day. Our parents said A and we said B. God says this and we say that. God says do this and we say that looks better, right? So what happens next? Well, it's a, it's a 19-year-old with hundreds of thousands, maybe a million, couple million dollars. What do you think happened with it, right? I'm sure he invested it in a dividend-producing portfolio, right? Yeah, no, no, he gave it to a charity and built an orphanage. No, that's not what happened. You know exactly what it did. He parted his hiney off, right? That's a, and that's exactly what it says. The story goes on. And then there he wasted all his money in wild living, Right? We won't get to this point of the story, but later in the story, the other brother fills in the details. What does that mean, wild living? Well, hookers and booze and drugs. That's, I mean, he just blew it on partying like a wild man. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think that the father didn't know what a 19-year-old was going to do with all that kind of money? Of course he did. Of course he did. He, he, he's not stupid. Let me say this to you. Listen to me. God knows that when he gives us free will to choose whatever we want to choose in this life, he knows 
that many of us will absolutely lose our minds. We will take that freedom and, listen, go find ourselves. Make it all about ourselves. Why? Because our sinful nature has this thing inside of us that we are now terming the me monster, right? And some of you might say, yeah, that's what I've done with my life actually up until this point. Well, let's keep reading this story and let's see what God says about that. Verse 14, about the time the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Come on, y'all. Everybody's your friend when you got lots of money and you're throwing the money around. And then all of a sudden, ghosted, ain't nobody talking to you, blocked your number. Um, we're done, right? The recession hit and he's in a bad place. And he goes on and it says, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the what? The pigs. Why is that significant? This is a Jewish boy. This is a good Jewish boy. Listen to me. Jewish boys don't have anything to do with pigs. You know what I'm saying? Like the next time you go to New York or somewhere and there's a real Jewish deli, I dare you to ask if they'll put bacon on the bagel. They're going to look at you like you're crazy because good Jewish people don't have. So this good, listen to me, this is why this is so significant in the story. Is because when you try to find yourself, it will lead you to the worst possible situations. Worst possible scenario for him to be taken care of pigs. It goes on. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. And then this term that I want to flesh out a little bit in verse 17. When he finally came to his senses... I'm going to change those words a little bit and say it this way. When he finally came to the end of himself, right? When when he finally came to the end of himself, in other words, when he had nothing left and he had no way and there was nothing inside of him that could do what he wanted to do, then all of a sudden change. Now, listen to me. I have pursued me in every direction in my life as well, right? And, and, and I've, I've come to that place where I had nothing left. And some of you, maybe you're at that place. You've pursued you and, and, and you're sick and tired of it. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're sick and tired of lacking fulfillment or purpose. And can I say that to, to the, and I, I want to repeat this over and over and over to you today. Listen to me. Less of you is more. Not more of you is more. Less. Of you is more. That's the story Jesus is trying to drive home inside of us. He goes on. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. He remembers um, how good he had it at home. Some of us, when we went and bought that toilet paper for the first time, we went, dang, mom and dad used to buy that stuff. I didn't realize, right? Like there's many of us that at some point... That in that simple little illustration, we found a way that we thought, dang, man, it sure would be nice just to walk into the house like I used to go in after practice or after school and mom had dinner ready. Come on. Instead of now you got to cook the dinner. Right. He realized, man, even the hired servants at my father's house are treated better than the way this world has treated me. This world will let you down. This world will take you to places that are unhealthy. It will take you to pig pens when pigs are detestable to you. It will take you to that place. The more I chase after trying to find myself, this self-actualization thing, this we've, we've bookstores with aisles and aisles and aisles of self-help books. And I just want to encourage you, there's nothing biblical about that concept. 
We're not to pursue self-help. We're to pursue God help. Right? We're to pursue who He is, less of me and more of Him. How am I created by my Creator to live? So He goes, alright, well here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go home to my Father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your Son. Please take me as a hired servant. Wow. Here's the word that comes to mind there. This is shame. Shame. Many of us have been in that place. I've been there. Many of us are still in that place. You know, I, I, I ruined that marriage. I, I burned through those relationships. I, I wasted that job opportunity. I, I burned through that money. I'm too ashamed to talk to anyone about what is really going on inside of me. God, God wouldn't welcome me back. Look at the next verse. So he returned home to the father. Now, I got to think that the the boy has those exact same kind of thoughts that maybe some of you have. Shame? Fear? Is there any way that he's going to help me? I mean, like, would he just take me back as a servant? Right? What were they thinking? What what was going through their minds of the of the father and the son in that process? And and, and I wonder, you know, what what was going on with the father? Well, I think actually the next couple of verses give us an idea of what's going on in the father's mind. It goes on and it says, "And while he was still a long way off, talking about the son, his father saw him coming." Question: How do you see someone far off? Unless you're looking for them. The innuendo here, and this is what it's talking about you and your relationship with God. The innuendo here is that our Father God looks for you every day. Every day. The idea is, we don't know how many days. Was this a hundred days? A thousand days? Like, we don't know how long this had been. But the innuendo is every time the Father came out to the field, he kind of looked down the driveway. It's today the day. It's the day today. Is this the day where he'll come to his senses? Is this the day where he'll he'll blow all that money and get through? And the father is not thinking about him blowing all that money. Because the father could be going, I earned all that stinking money. Do you know how long it took me to earn all that money and what I had to go through and all that kind of And some of us as parents have been there. We've been frustrated with our sons or daughters and the frustration with their, their the, the, the decisions they've made and the things that are going on. But But listen to me, the father was waiting. He was anxiously waiting. And if you've ever thought how God would react to you, even with all your stuff, don't miss what's next. Because here's the next words. Filled with love and compassion. There it is. There's the answer. That's how your heavenly father sees you, even in the midst of all your stuff. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. That is what God, our Heavenly Father, thinks about you. Yeah, the story goes on. His son said to him, and, and, he, and you almost can see this formal thing, because, you know, the, the son, can you imagine, come on, can you imagine standing in front of your dad, he just blew a million dollars or whatever it is, and so he's, he's been practicing, right? So I almost get this, like, picture, like he's almost, like, at attention, you know, like, and he goes, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And it's almost like the dad's like, yeah, 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 shh, hush. Um, and like it, it, he's not even listening to his little speech and he and it says but the father says to a servant quick 
Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the fatted calf that uh, we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. What This whole robe, ring, you know what these are? These are symbols of sonship. He's not taking him back as a, as a servant. He's taking him back as a son. Let me say this to you. God is not in the habit of rehearsing your failures. That's what we see in what Jesus is trying to say about our Heavenly Father. That he's not in the habit of rehearsing your failures. He's in the habit of celebrating anyone who returns to him. That's, that's powerful. No matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. God, your Heavenly Father is looking down the driveway to see if today might be the day that you would return to him. No matter what you've done, no matter what has happened. It goes on and it says, For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I'm going to stop there in our story, but where does that leave us? You know, in our in our attempt to find yourself or or lose yourself, you know, you lost yourself, the more you focus on yourself, the more miserable you become. The more in a relationship that you focus on your rights or what they are not doing or doing for you, and then you dump them and then you try to find somebody else to fill the void. Come on, we've all walked through that. That's, that's me monster. The more you do this, the more you lose yourself. What can I get from my job? What, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? Me, 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 me. And you lose yourself. See, here, here's the irony of life and the beauty of the gospel of Jesus. That what you thought would bring you freedom, this getting out of the house and doing all this sort of stuff, this, this, this desire to get out and do what you thought would bring you freedom now brings chains or captivity. Right? It, 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 what you thought was going to bring you success and the chasing after things and all this sort of stuff ends up feeling like failure. What you thought would bring life, well, you're not dead, but it feels like death. Why? Why is my heart so numb? Why is there so little joy? Why is this job so unfulfilling? Why is this relationship not working out? Well, we can solve this. We can, we can solve this, but I think you've got two options. One is the option the world gives you. The other option is what Jesus and the Bible gives you. See, culture would say, hey, how do you solve this? More of you. More of you. Go find yourself. Go get stuff and figure out what you like and do what makes you feel good. More of you. The Bible says, less of you. Less of you and more of Jesus. Less of self-absorption, less me and my pain and me and my problems and me and my success, me and my brilliance, me and my greatness, uh, me, me, me and my intelligence. It's not more of me, it's less of me. See, the paradox of this whole story is that the son became more of who he wanted to be the moment he realized that less of him meant more. Less of doing life his way and more of doing life the Father's way. In that, he found true life. Now we can, we can try to do this without God. Right? You can try to, you can try to be like, okay, I'm gonna try to kind of do the humility thing without a relationship with God. But less of you without God just leads to self-pity and despair. Right? It's, it's called false humility. 
Humility is not thinking less of your. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, less of me, more of Him. Right. But when you have less of you with God, it leads to more. The best news that I think you will ever hear in your life is that God embraces me monsters. <laughs> right? Aren't you grateful for that? When we know, I, we, we are selfish to our core. But here's the promise, and here's kind of the crowning you know, verse for today. Matthew 6 and 33. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. In other words, do life His way. Do life the way God designed it, the way He says it's healthy to do. And all these other things, you know, all that stuff, all that find yourself stuff, all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So let me ask you a question. Are you open to being done with you? Are you open to being done with you? We're going to tackle that for the next three weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about you being done with you in your relationships. The relationships are not about what you get out of them. Relationships are about what you sacrifice to put into them. Right? Are, are, are you up to being done with your stuff and your money and, and, the, and the resources? Are you open to being done with your identity? That it's not about me in this whole process. Less of you means more. I want to challenge you this week to be really honest with yourself with this whole me monster concept. Um, because I was prepping for this, I was thinking about this and there's a certain circle of friends that I hang out with and I was hanging with them the other day and then all of a sudden it hit me. I was talking about my kids and talking about my kids and talking about my kids and I thought the last several times we've gotten together, I've told a story about my kids and I've told a story about my kids and I think a couple of times I did the one-up thing. Like they told me a story about their kids, so I told them my story about my kid, you know, kind of thing. And I just was like, wow, I, I see that. I see the, the me monster, the need to be significant, the need to say those things. Some of us do it in different ways. We're victims. Oh, poor me, poor pitiful me. How sad, right? We, we complain and grumble and this sort of, and that's a me monster that's just as big as the person who talks about themselves all the time. So let me challenge you. Um, what would it look like or what would you need to let go of today that might be I decrease so that he might increase? What does it look like for you to seek the kingdom of God, to get in God's word and say, God, I don't want to read your Bible. I want your Bible to read me. I want your Bible to tell me where I can do things healthier and then bring transformation inside of my heart so I can deal with the me monster inside of me. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you for these words that, that you've given us um, through your scripture. Thank you for this story, this parable, Jesus, that you told. God, would you help us to be honest with ourselves and address what it is the Holy Spirit would want us to hear through today's message and how he would want us to address that. God, there's a chance there may be somebody watching that today they, they would want to surrender for the very first time. They, they heard it differently today that, yeah, I need to surrender my life to Jesus and, and live life his way. And so, Father, I pray for them in that decision. I pray, God, that you would give them the courage to reach out to someone and tell them about that decision so they can help them grow and move forward in that journey that they now have chosen. Father, thank you for this. 
Give us courage now to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.